What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new content will come out from. Of course, you can get it right from the source at SportsEthos.com. But everything baseball, fantasy, baseball-wise is posted at EthosFantasyBB. My podcasts are there every single day. Articles are posted out there pretty regularly. Stephen Bagel's series previewing opening day rosters in the National League. Those have all come out. American League will be out next week. Uh, but we've got a ton of great stuff in the works over at Sports Ethos and Ethos Fantasy BB. So make sure you show some support and hit the follow button. Never miss any of our new stuff. Today we are going to, well, actually it'll be a bookending of the week with Zips Projections. We did them on Monday. We're going to end the week with them as well. We talked about doing this maybe once a week. I'm, not, I'm still going to do them generally once a week, but I want to take a look at a couple of teams at a time because... If you go through every single projection, every single team, you're going to be ending up, you're going to do hundreds of podcasts just on that. Monday, we just did the Red Sox because they were the first team that had come out. Today, we're going to be looking at three teams and a couple of them, not the greatest for sure, but we're going to get through all these teams and in bunches, it'll be a little bit easier. So we have the White Sox, we have the Cincinnati Reds, and we have the Pittsburgh Pirates to go through today. We're going to take a break from pitching. We'll get back to pitching next week. And I think Either Monday or Friday, we'll make projection day, and then the rest of the week, we'll do our reviews and preview shows. But let's get it started off with the Chicago White Sox. I think that they make sense to look at first. They've had a couple of moves take place recently, which have affected the way that these projections look to some degree. Now, I'm not sure what they would have looked like before, but you're removing Jose Abreu from that lineup, and you're adding in Mike Clevenger into that rotation. Those are the big moves there. Now, it's possible. it's, It's very likely that they had anticipated Abreu not coming back when they first put these together. Uh, Again, I've said this a few times. I'm not sure the the exact process for how projections get made. Uh, But you have to assume that they at least had a backup plan at Fangraphs, that Dan Zimborski had a bit of a backup plan in case case Abreu left. Maybe he ran projections with him and without him and had them both ready and then because he left. It was was pretty understood that he wasn't going to be back, but you, you never really know. Uh, one thing that I really like with his White Sox projections, as opposed to the steamer projections, is we're baking in a bit more risk for guys like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. With the steamer projections, these guys were projected to play, and I don't have them in front of me. I think it was 140-some-odd games apiece. It seemed a little lofty to expect that. He's got them both projected for 445 plate appearances, which would be, I think, close to maybe 100 and 110 games or so. Um, 105, 110 games, roughly. That's what you'd get out of that kind of plate appearance number. And I think that's a lot more likely to project at 140 for guys who have been injured pretty consistently, uh, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. So I like that. In terms of the actual number projections, home runs, RBIs, and everything else, everything looks pretty fair. The one that looks the, the nicest here, it looks like he'll be the offensive leader of the team if these do come true, Andrew Vaughn. 28 homers, 82 RBIs he's projected for. And he's projected to have a 267 batting average as well. So he could be somebody uh, who is a bit of a discount, Andrew Vaughn. Considering the talent that he has and the way that he's kind of been treated <clears throat> in Chicago, he's never really been given a fair shake of it. Uh, you know, he's been playing out of position for a couple of years, and there is talk that maybe that's led to kind of some lower production than you would have hoped from him. Uh, now he's going to be able to play his natural position of first base, and that might really 
really help him out. He's going at pick 142 in early drafts. If he's able to give you 28 homers, 82 ribbies, uh, you know, and batting in that 260s range, I think you'll be very happy and take that every single day from Andrew Vaughn. Now, in terms of the other guys, uh, we'll talk about Robert and Jimenez for a second. Their projections aren't too crazy. Luis Robert, 18 homers, 68 ribbies, uh, 13 steals, and a 273 batting average. Nothing crazy. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, not too far off there. <clears throat> He's projected for 23 homers, 71 RBIs, and a 269 batting average. Nothing really great. And I mean, I- I'm already going to be fading Luis Robert because I think he's too expensive. Uh, he's going to pick 44 on average in all drafts. If you just look at draft champions, uh, 39. I'm I'm not sold on him at that price, regardless of what projections say. But when you look at it, and you know they're anticipating some games missed as well. And even when he's out there, I mean, 18 homers, 13 stolen bases is very good, but it's not worth taking in the third round. And that's generally what he's been. He's going to give you, and I mean, hell, I guess it's hard to know exactly what Luis Robert is until we see him get out there consistently because he hasn't been able to do that in his career. Most games played was this year, 98. I guess we don't really know what he can be, but I think 18 homers and 13 stolen bases is a little bit underwhelming. Uh, you know, If you're going to be told that you're taking him in the third round, that's what he's going to do for you this year, I doubt you'd be taking him. And Eloy Jimenez, the price is a lot cheaper for Eloy, but it's still not crazy great production. I mean, 86 is his ADP. <clears throat> he's projected 23 and 71, no steals, Good batting average, but nothing insane. You know, 269, it, it's it's good. Uh, I guess you could say it's borderline great compared to the rest of MLB. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I am, I've been sick here for the last week, so I really apologize uh, for these coughs and, and, cl- and throat clearing. But I don't think Eloy is going to be that, really that appealing. I know there's a lot of talk on Twitter and everywhere else about how people are taking him. I know Mike Curland has been taking him everywhere. I'm just not quite as convinced at this price that he's really going to give you that much of a return on your investment. Uh, if he gives you 23 homers and 71 RBIs over 110 or so games, 120 games, whatever it is, I don't think you'd be that excited about it. I think it'd be fine, but you know, taking that in the 80s, I think that you generally would still feel a little bit disappointed by it. So I'm not in any big rush to take Eloy, to take really anybody here. I think Andrew Vaughn is interesting, but I I don't know. He's pretty much the only one. Tim Anderson, kind of interesting. Uh, 13 homers, 14 steals, and a 293 he's projected for. Pretty interesting, considering his price, though, at 78 and the depth of shortstop. Not that interested. I'll take him in a couple of drafts, probably, but... I don't know. There's the nice little discount we're getting this year because, you know, he missed a lot of time last year. But it's not really confident inspiring to see these numbers for a lot of these players. Andrew Vaughn is the main one where I look at and I say, this is something that I want to be invested in. I want to be in the Andrew Vaughn business this next season. And especially because of the price. Everything comes down to price, right? I like every player at a certain price. And, you know, we've talked about it for the last couple of days. Hunter Green is one that kills me. I love Hunter Green, and we'll talk about him a little bit later when we're doing the Cincinnati stuff. I just hate his price, and you can't get around those two things. Bobby Witt is another great example. I love the player, but I hate the price, so I won't be able to have any of him this year. Maybe I'll have one Bobby Witt share if he falls to the end of the first round. I'm not anticipating it, and again, with with these White Sox, I don't really anticipate having much of of any of these guys. Uh, I'll take Vaughn. I might take an Anderson share here or there. But for the most part, really not 
that impressive. Uh, Yasmany Grandal is the last one who should be mentioned here. Uh, he's projected for 16 homers, 50 RBIs, and a 226 batting average. Not very impressive. OBP is projected to be 353. It's always been very good. He's always walked a lot. But if you're in an, just an average format, you know, your standard 5x5 five five without OBP, I don't know how valuable Yasmany Grandal is going to be at this point of his career. Uh, now, the price is pretty cheap at 250 To be fair, it, it's a pretty cheap price. So I don't really mind taking a stab at him there. Uh, but the production is not projected to be very good at all. So, I mean, as a whole, this lineup, not great. Uh, not, it has a potential to be good, but there is a lot of, there are a lot of question marks here in terms of how often guys are going to be out on the field. So I, I'm really not going to be, and that's a common theme, I guess, for today with all these teams. I'm not going to be excited about drafting many of the players at all that we're going to talk about. Andrew Vaughn, that's pretty much it. Uh, if you take a look at their pitching, eh, it's it's okay. You know, um, Dylan Cease projected for a 3.43 ERA, so he'd regress a little bit if that was the case. 3.90 for Lance Lynn, 3.97 for Lucas Giolito, 4.24 for Michael Kopech. And then their latest addition, Mike Clevenger, projected for a 4.58 ERA. It's not great. In that bullpen, there are a couple of arms projected to have really good seasons, as you might have expected. Liam Hendricks, uh, Aaron Bummer. Those guys are expected to have good seasons. 316 ERA, 318 ERA. Totally could see that. Um, but the rest of these guys, <clears throat> especially Dylan Cease here, it's a little bit unnerving. Maybe not unnerving. Um, but to see him projected for a 343 ERA, uh, still really good strikeout numbers, but still walking probably a few too many batters. Uh, he's projected for a 29.5% strikeout rate and a 9.7% uh, walk rate. It's not great, and I know there is a lot of risk with Dylan Cease. We talked about him a few days ago. Can he get that walk rate down? I guess that's the big question. They're not thinking he will, and they think that he will regress. And I don't know that he'll regress to this extent, like a 3-4-5 ERA. Um, that's that's kind of high. Uh, I honestly forget what he was at this year, 220. Indicators in like the high twos, low threes. Uh, it feels a little bit high for Dylan Cease. I'd expect him to get a little bit below that, but in general – uh, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence taking him uh, inside the first two rounds, which is where his ADP is, 29.8. He's on average going as the last pick of the second round. Doesn't give you a lot of confidence. And the White Sox, these projections really <clears throat> don't give you any confidence at all. Uh, like I've said it a few times now, Andrew Vaughn is the only player where I look at these and I'll say, oh, shit, like this is actually, you know, I don't take projections like as, you know, fact, like he's going to do this exactly. But he's the only one where you look at it and it gives you a bit of a rosier view of their potential as opposed to looking at them and saying, Jesus, Murphy, like this is this is terrible. I drafted Dylan Cease at 23rd overall and now he's projected for this and it's not going to be good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players where you'll look at the numbers they're projected for and it'll make you feel a hell of a lot worse. You know, Lucas Giolito, 4 ERA, Lynn, 4 ERA. I mean, 3-9, 3-9-7, but essentially a 4 ERA. It's not good. It's not great. Uh, it's... It's fade territory for a lot of these guys. And again, don't specifically just look at one set of projections. Look at a lot of them, or a lot of reputable ones, the bat, ATC, uh, zips, steamer. Look at those ones and kind of make your own uh, opinions between what all of them are telling you. But as of right now, uh, White Sox are looking a little dark uh, heading into draft season. And I know we're already in draft season for a lot of people, but... Not looking too promising. I mean, just to recap 
one final time, Vaughn at 147 and uh, Yasmeni Grandal at 250. I would take a chance on, but no one else that I'm really that interested in. Um, I guess Yoan Moncada, 16 homers, four steals. No, you can't even get into it, man. Two, two, what is he projected? 251 batting average. I've tried with this guy for a couple years. I, I can't get into it. I, there's, again, really, really a poor grouping here uh, heading into next year fantasy-wise. I think they'll do it better as a team in real life than they will for fantasy because it's, uh, it's not looking so great as of right now. But I do want to move on. I do want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds who are not a good team, I guess is the way I would put it here. Uh, they they stink. To be, to be perfectly honest, when you look at a lot of these projections, and I messaged Dan about this on Monday, asking him how it works for minor leaguers, and he said that this is what the projections would look like if they were in the big leagues for an entire season. It's kind of interesting when you take a look at the Reds because the Reds have a lot of good prospects that could make their way to the big leagues this season. Um, I don't know that there's going to be that much interest in taking guys who are, you know, maybe you have a little bit of interest in like a Nick Solak, uh, Jake Fraley. I think there is some potential there. But when you look at guys who could be in the bigs later this year, uh, Ellie De La Cruz, Noelvi Marte, um, I don't know about Christian Encarnacion Strand. Maybe he does get to the big leagues, but their projections are incredibly good. Uh, Spencer Steer is another one. So let's start with Steer. He's projected for 20 homers, 80 RBIs, and three steals if he does get to the big leagues. And, of course, that's the thing with these. You can't look at this and say, oh, Noelby Marte is going to start the, the season in the big leagues. Um, from what I understand with talking with Dan, these projections are if they come up, this is what they would do. Or if they were in the big leagues for an entire year, this is what they would give you. So this kind of has to be prorated. Once, you know, let's say it's July and these guys get called up or August, then you take away half of these projections and you look at what they would give you in half a season. I'm oversimplifying it there for sure, but that's generally how I would do it. Spencer Steer, 20 homers, 80 ribbies. If we can give you that, you'd be very happy. Uh, Noel V. Marte, 16 homers, 11 steals. Christian Encarnacion Strand, 27 homers, 96 RBIs, and four steals. Uh, I think we'd be very, very happy with any of those outcomes. Um, you know, there's also guys who have been on Cincinnati for a couple of years now. You got Tyler, Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. Uh, they have all right projections. Stevenson maybe a little bit lower than I would hope for, uh, plate appearance wise. I can't remember what Tyler Stevenson if he's going to miss the start of the year. I didn't think so, uh, but I want to take a look quickly. Google that because his projections for uh, plate appearances are pretty low. I thought he was going to be back for the start of the season. But, uh, yeah, I don't see anything that says otherwise for that. He went out in August, uh, had surgery, went to the 60-day IL. You figure he'll be ready for opening day. Uh, pretty conservative projection there for 343 plate appearances. But, you know, he know he can give you some great production on a per-game basis, even from the catcher slot. Uh, I'm not too concerned. Looking at Tyler Stevenson, I would, I would still be generally pretty happy to draft him. Uh, he is going around pick 135. It's it's very conservative. Uh, 305 at bats, 343 plate appearances. I'd expect him to exceed that a little bit. Uh, in terms of the rest of these guys, though, it's not looking that great. And I forgot to mention uh, <clears throat> Ellie De La Cruz's projection: 16 homers and 20 stolen bases. That would be serious, man. Like home runs will come when these guys come up to the bigs. Their park, Cincinnati's park, is the best for home runs. Uh, it's better than Coors, <clears throat> which is a common misconception. Coors is actually a little bit better for batting average than it is for home runs. I think they're still top two or three, maybe top five at worst for home runs. Uh, but Great American Small Park, 
as a lot of people call it, that's where you get the biggest uh, advantage. So when these guys come up, Ellie De La Cruz is someone who's going to be very interesting. Uh, he is probably their top prospect, and I say that without being the most plugged into the dynasty prospect world, but I believe he is their, their number one prospect. Uh, <clears throat> he'll be somebody where if you have a league with NA slots or you know minor league slots, whatever you call them in your particular league, uh, he's somebody that you should be adding up like pretty early on in the year. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk with our friends Eric Cross, Chris Clegg, uh, the Welsh. We'll talk with some prospect people. Maybe we'll see James Anderson come on uh, and try and get a general understanding of who's going to come up, when they're going to come up, what to expect when they do come up. But Ellie De La Cruz, uh, if you can stash him at the beginning of the year, depending on your format, I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, in terms of the guys who are returning that we haven't mentioned so far, there's a reason why I haven't mentioned them because there's not really so much to be interested about. I think TJ Friedel might be a little bit interesting. He's projected to give you 12 homers, 11 steals, 59 rippies. Uh, Jake Fraley and Nick Solak, like we mentioned before, there might be some value in them. Uh, Fraley going to pick 302. Uh, Nick Solak, he's actually a little bit interesting because of where he's being drafted. 662 is his ADP. Uh, they got him projected for 15 dingers and seven stolen bases. So if he can give you that, uh, you'll absolutely take it. In terms of the batting average projections for this team, no one really that high. Solak at 270 is actually pretty close to being the high man. Uh, Donovan Solano at 287 is the highest projected batting average. This is not going to be a great team. It's not going to be a great lineup. But there is going to be some value to be had in taking a look at these minor leaguers who may get a chance to play because there's no reason for them to not get a chance to play. Dela Cruz, Noel B. Marte, I, again, I'm not the biggest prospect guy, but these guys should be up this year. Uh, that's what they're projected for on MLB.com, and I think that that is given their skill set and where they are in their minor league levels. Uh, I think that they're probably going to be up, worst case, later in this year. So take a look at stashing these guys. Uh, Joey Votto is another guy I wanted to mention here before we, we moved on to the pitchers. Uh, projected for 420 plate appearances, 16 homers. He's kind of past it. I don't know that I really want any of Joey Votto anymore. Uh, I'm not even sure what the price is this year because I haven't been very interested. 364, it still feels a little bit rich for me. Uh, I think that he's on the decline for sure at this point. Now his OPS plus projected for 100, one of the highest projections on the team, which is pretty sad. But overall here, uh, I don't think that we can be taking Joey Votto uh, with any degree of certainty at this point. I'm just, I, I love him. I'm a Canadian. We played for some of the same minor league teams uh, you know, around here in Toronto and in Etobicoke, which is like another part of Toronto, essentially. We played for the same teams, not at the same time. He's older than I am, but I've always had a huge affinity for Joey Votto. I just can't do it anymore at this age. Uh, I think we're we're risking it. If he falls much below, you know, if he goes into the mid 400 somewhere, maybe it doesn't hurt to take a, a chance on him in a draft champions, but uh, I'm not too excited here uh, about drafting Votto. Let's talk about some of these pitchers. Three guys projected for a sub-4 ERA. <clears throat> Pretty predictable who they are. Alexis Diaz, who should be the closer, I think. Again, they're, they're a tricky team to figure out in terms of saves. We were trying to do it a lot this year, and it was hard to figure out who to throw into your lineup on any given day. Uh, once Diaz, you know, started picking it up down the stretch, he was somebody who was, it was a pretty clear ad. He was getting a lot of saves, but he wasn't, uh, you know, for the entire year, he wasn't somebody who was getting the saves out there. I'm just trying to pull up their uh, their numbers here in terms of who was getting the saves, and it was like a very uh, it was a varied group. We had ten from Diaz, we had two from Farmer, we had four from Santaland, 
Um, let's see. We had one from Lucas Sims. They kind of – it wasn't actually as varied as I thought. They, there's got to be something missing here where I'm looking because there's some saves here. There's somebody else whose name is escaping me who was getting some saves for them last year, and I'll probably remember it as soon as I stop recording here. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a terrible bullpen, essentially, is what I'm trying to tell you. It was a terrible bullpen. Uh, Diaz, once he got that role, it was, it was his – he should be the guy who is getting saves from the start of the year. He should be. Not to say that he will be, but I think that there's a decent chance anyway um, that Alexis Diaz will be the closer. And I think he's being drafted generally with that understanding that he probably will be. His ADP is 139. It might be a little bit high, uh, but projected for a 368 ERA, 81 Ks and 63 innings. I think that that's probably reasonable. They don't project saves on here because they're a little too volatile. Um, but a 368 ERA is probably on the high side of what you're going to see from him most likely. So no no problem um, with those projections. In terms of the price, I think it's a little bit iffy, a little bit expensive on Diaz. We'll touch on him more when we do our, our team previews and, of course, when we go through our relief pitcher uh, preview. But I think the projection's fine. The other two guys below four in their ERA projections – Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. And I really don't know how to feel specifically about Hunter Green, really about both of them. Um, I tweeted about it yesterday. I've talked about Hunter Green, I think, most days this week because it's just been at the front of my mind for whatever reason. I think that he is going to be a stud. I think that Hunter Green is going to be – okay, maybe I – don't, I don't, I don't want to overblow it. I think that he can be like a top 10 – or so pitcher in baseball. I think that that is within his range of outcomes. But there's a couple things here, and I said it in my tweet yesterday. He had a great run. So he had two great starts against Miami. <clears throat> he went down. He came back, and he had four starts to end the year that were really good. So in total, six consecutive great starts, which was the last thing that we saw to him. Uh, two against Miami, one against St. Louis, which, yes, we'll give him that, St. Louis start, and then Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. So five out of six games were against opponents with kind of subpar lineups. Milwaukee's kind of in the middle there. We'll spot him St. Louis. That's a great team where he shut them down. Uh, you know, can't, can't take that away from him. But there is a lot that there is to worry about here. He's got elite potential. Don't get me wrong. But he walks way too many batters. He has up a lot of hard contact. His team sucks. And like we've mentioned a couple times, his ballpark is terrible. So... I look at the projections for 392 ERA, uh, over 128 innings. That's 26 starts he's projected for. 157 strikeouts, uh, 48 walks. I'm I'm not really there. And I think, again, it's not because of the player. It's because of the price. If he was going past pick 200 or around pick 200, or even, you know, it feels like a little bit too too discounted. Let's call it 175. I would take a chance on him there because that, I think, is pretty reasonable. Uh, he's being drafted as the SP35. It's just it's just a little out of my price range for him. And Nick Lodolo, kind of similar stuff. Uh, he's projected for a 389 ERA, only over 108 innings. Uh, good strikeout numbers, again, a little bit. I mean, actually, no, not even. I can't even say that. Uh, it's just really this, the strikeouts are good, and then the walks are, are pretty average for him. Hunter Green still a little bit above average uh, on the on the uh, on the walk rate, excuse me. But both of these guys, you know, those problems, specifically the ballpark and the club, those apply to both of them. Um, I like them a lot. I I really do. And Lodolo is going about a full round later than Green, but I'm not going to be drafting them at this point. Like I would have to 
really, truly, they'd have to fall 50 or so picks, at least for me to want to have them, and they're not going to. They're just going to get more expensive as we head into the year. You'll see a couple of bullpen sessions from Hunter Green or something. He'll throw 101 or maybe 102 or something ridiculous, and then that'll just raise the price. And, you know, I'm, I'm just not there. I think in a couple of years, like, I'd be buying them up in Dynasty. I'd be buying Hunter Green specifically in Dynasty. <clears throat> but right now, in redraft, I, I don't really see the value there. Uh, in terms of the other pitchers on the staff, <clears throat> nothing that's really going to be worth uh, taking a look at. Graham Ashcraft projected for a 4.45 ERA over 25 starts. Not great. Uh, Andrew Abbott projected for a 4.59 ERA. Brandon Williamson, 477. This is a team where, and we already know this, you got to stay away from their pitchers, uh, specifically at home, but even on the road here. Lodolo and Green, you'll trust, but as you get beyond that, like I'm talking road matchups. You trust them in road matchups, home matchups, maybe. Uh, it really depends. But there's not really anybody on this team outside of those top three guys where you can draft them like regardless of price. Uh, I don't really care how cheap it gets. Graham Ashcraft, after those three, Graham Ashcraft is the next pitcher going by ADP, and it's 529. And I guess at that point you take a chance and if you're into the 500s, but I'm really not so big on drafting. And it's a theme today for all these teams. I'm not big on drafting anybody we're talking about today. It's unfortunate, but there's just not a hell of a lot of value. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is going at 448. If you're talking about a draft champion's, I can get behind that. Uh, I think that that's, that's fine. Um, but there's not really anybody else where I would want to take that chance. I suppose Nick Solak at 662 because at that point, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter if it doesn't turn out at 662, really. Uh, he can. I mean, I've heard some people say he could be the Brandon Drury of this year. It's possible, I guess. Uh, you know, Grab him at the end of your draft, maybe. But there's no, there's no players to prioritize here. There's really not. Uh, I like Tyler Stevenson. I like Jonathan India. Okay, it's it's we're we're grasping at straws here for Cincinnati. I'm thinking about opening up a drink while we're talking. It's it's depressing stuff. Uh, we got one more team, and it's not going to raise the mood any. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh man. Okay, here we go. The Pirates are are terrible. Again, they're a terrible team. And this is not something that I intended. This is just the way that the projections have been released with these teams. Um, it's another terrible team. And the one that everybody wants to look at, I think, is O'Neill Cruz. Everybody wants to know, what are we going to get at O'Neill Cruz? Is he going to give us what we're hoping for? Is he going to be a 30-30 guy? What, what are we going to get out of him? It's not that great, the projections. They're good. They're very good. But they're maybe not what you would be hoping for, taking him in the first six rounds of your draft. His ADP is 73 right now. He's going in the first five rounds of your draft. It's, it's a little expensive. 22 homers and 50 in stolen bases to go along with a 245 batting average. I'm not that interested in that. And again, these projections are not the be-all and end-all. They are one of many resources to look at. But in that range... Some people will say, sure, uh, absolutely, because he can exceed that. But he could also fall below that, and it wouldn't shock me at all. We still don't really know what O'Neill Cruz is after a couple months in the big leagues. People will say, you know, you can tell who a guy is after watching him for that amount of time. You, you can't. Uh, growth is not linear. We've talked about this a lot, and I, I hate even saying things like that because it feels like a cliche, but it's it's true. Uh, he has had 300 at-bats in the big leagues, 330. 
uh, to say that we know exactly what he's going to be, or even worse, uh, that you know the month of October where he had twenty some odd at bats or nineteen at bats or whatever is indicative of what he's going to do going forward. That's crazy for me. I think that yes, he made strides, and the same thing as Hunter Green. He had a couple of good starts at the end of the year. He beat up on some shitty teams. I I don't take that and say he's going to be an ace now. He will be at some point. I'm fairly certain of that. It won't be this year. O'Neill Cruz has MVP level uh, production. Like he can be a 40-40 guy or something close to it. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. Uh, in terms of these projections, I I'm I think they're okay for Cruz. I think that this is probably about what you could expect. Uh, maybe you'd have higher hopes for stolen bases. Uh, considering how many did he steal last year? He stole 10 bases last year in, uh, well, how many games did he play? 87 games. So over a whole season, you figure he could probably get to 20. They think that he'll be below that. I don't think that that's a huge gripe. Again, these are 50th percentile outcomes. Maybe he gets 20, maybe he gets 10. 15 feels generally okay. Um, I'm, I'm not huge on him in this range, really. I just think it's... I think it's a risk, and I you know we were they were talking the other night on the uh, Triple Play podcast with Will Garofalo. He was guesting, and they were talking about Cruz and about how his skill set is typically not available at that point of the draft. What he's going to give you is is going to be gone usually earlier rather than later, and it's true. Uh, guys who get a ton of steals, they tend to be gone. Steals and home run combo like that, he's going to be gone in a lot of cases pretty quickly. Um, but if you just keep going down the board a little bit here, there are dudes who will give you not exactly the same production, but there's probably a higher floor given that there's also probably a lesser ceiling. Uh, but O'Neill Cruz and Corey Seager going at the same place, Corey Seager's a lot safer for me. There's a, there's a higher ceiling with O'Neill Cruz, but we generally know what we're going to get out of Corey Seager. Uh, and plus the shift's going to go away. We might see a batting average increase for him as well. Like I'll take Seager at that price any day. Tommy Edmond going around later. Eh, one's probably close. But, you know, you're getting 30 stolen bases, 10, 15 home runs at Edmond, decent batting average, and a great lineup. Like, I'll, I'll take that. George Springer, same kind of thing. He's going close to a round later. There's some injury risk there as well. But it's, it's about the same. You know, I would put them in both in the same kind of grouping. I just think Cruz's price is being preemptively pushed up a little bit because we're expecting him to take strides in his second year which happens sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. You can't go into a season expecting, you know, whatever he did last year, double it and then double it again, and then he'll do that a few times until he's 27, and then we'll know what he is. Like, that's not how it works. I wish it worked like that. But with O'Neal Cruz, uh, I think that we might push him up. And this is, you know, we're still four months away from when drafting really gets going. Like, it's December now, which is crazy. Uh, the season's been over for two months already. I think, actually, was it October 2nd, the last day of the year? Maybe two months today. Uh, which is insanity. But there's a long way until people are actually consistently drafting. You know, we have 30-some-odd, 30 draft champions to go on, and then there's a best ball, and there's some gladiators. It's probably been like 45, 50 drafts so far. But by the time we get to March, and there's a lot of people that are drafting, things are going to look quite a bit different. So I would expect him to go up. I would honestly expect him to go up a little bit. Uh, He's going currently at the end of the fifth round in a 15-teamer. Not not a risk I'm really willing to take, especially considering how deep shortstop is. And especially when you look at these projections. If you looked at these and they said 30 homers, 27 steals, and a 260 or something like that, then you'd be like, okay, maybe 
maybe there's something I'm not seeing here, but it's about what you would probably expect. And it's not anything that's going to need you to reach so high up the draft board in order to attain it. Like you can't get those 15 steals later on. Yes, you can. You absolutely can't accumulate 15 steals, 22 home runs. That's, that's nothing, you know, in terms of where you are in the draft here, that combination is a little bit more elusive, but there's also a lot more risk and something I haven't even mentioned really. I mean, we've mentioned it in general, but in specific case here, the team sucks. The team is terrible. You are going to see fewer counting stats than you would on a lot of teams. And you might say, Joe, last year, O'Neill Cruz played 87 games. He had 54 RBIs and he had 45 runs. That's not something I would look at and say, okay, so if he played in 160 games, then he would have had 100 RBIs and 100 runs on that team. I, I don't think so. I think that that's more a small sample size that is not something you can really look at and say, okay, this is what he's going to do. Uh, every year again things are very volatile in baseball especially with a young guy especially with a young guy who's like a physical specimen that we don't really know like I guess like they mentioned the other night Aaron Judge is a decent comp like physicality wise but then Cruz also has a lot more speed it's he's a weird guy to look at and try and find a historical comp and actually that's a good thing about these projections they have historical comps and their number one comp for him is Jazz Chisholm that's pretty good you'll take that I guess uh Danny Tartable is the second one. I honestly don't know who that is. Uh, when did he play? He played in the 80s and 90s. Pretty good player, actually. Uh, I'd never heard of this guy. Danny Tartable. He played for Seattle, Kansas City, New York. Uh, he hit 260 career homers. Only stole 37 bases in his career, though, so a little bit light. Uh, their third comp for him is Adalberto Mondesi, which... Good Lord, I hope there's only certain things that are similar with Adalberto Mondesi there. But I, I think overall, like if you're talking long-term, O'Neill Cruz is about as safe of a buy like a dynasty or whatever. I don't know what his price is. I don't play a lot of dynasty. But he's somebody that you'd want to have on your team for the next three or four seasons. But given the price for 2023, given what you can generally expect him to do in a shitty lineup, I don't know that I'm going to be there. And I spent a lot of time on him. I want to talk about a couple other pirates here before I let you guys go. Brian Reynolds, his projections are pretty damn close to O'Neill Cruz. Uh, Cruz is projected for 22 and 68. Reynolds, 23 and 68. Ten fewer stolen bases, but he's giving you more hits, some more runs. I don't know that you really want to be taking O'Neill Cruz in that range, especially like you look at Brian Reynolds, he's going about 20 picks later. Again, this is all essentially conjecture at this point, but he's going like two rounds later. And he's giving you the same kind of production with a couple fewer steals. <clears throat> Higher batting average by 25 points. I I think Reynolds might be, honestly, as, as I'm saying this, I'm like debating whether I should say it, but I think Reynolds might be a slightly safer pick there. If you're going to take somebody on Pittsburgh, yes, Cruz is the more the higher upside play, but there's a lot more risk associated with him as well. So for me, uh, give me give me Brian Reynolds, truly. Give me Brian Reynolds two rounds later. It's a, it's a weaker position. Shortstops are quite a bit deeper. Once you get to this range of outfielders, uh, you're not going to be looking for that many of them at this point. Or, excuse me, there's not going to be that many of them for you to look for at this point. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to be a little be a little shit and put something out on Twitter and just say, I'd rather have Brian Reynolds over O'Neill Cruz and just see what the reaction is because I think I'll get some pushback on it. Uh, maybe I won't, but I think that people will generally not like that. I want to stir the pot a little bit today, I think, so I will tweet that out. Projected for very similar seasons, 25, 27 picks later. Give me Brian Reynolds. But anyway, a couple other guys who are interesting here. Andy Rodriguez, he is their one of their top prospects. He is a catcher. Uh, projected for 14 homers, a couple of stolen bases, and a 254 batting average. 
if he were to come up, he would be an ad. Um, I don't think he's projected to start the season in the bigs. I don't think so. Anyway, uh, maybe. But uh, at his ADP of 430 right now, I don't think he's generally expected to. I think he's going off the board as like the 30-something catcher. Uh, let me take a look here and see. I think he's about 30, 31. Uh, I don't think he'll start the season in the big leagues, but maybe he will. Uh, they're kind of a hard team to nail down. Uh, another guy I want to talk about here really quickly, Cabrian Hayes. I think that we're pretty close to being at the point of calling him a fantasy bust. He's not really somebody that you can rely on. We were thinking that he was going to be a bit of a stud there a couple of years ago. Uh, but at this point, for me, I'm not a big Cabrian Hayes guy. He's projected for nine homers, 13 stolen bases, 42 RBIs. Oh, my God. Like, it's awful to even read. 246 batting average. He's great defense. Like, he's projected to have great defense again. No no question there. Uh, but unless you're playing in a, in a fielding percentage league or a league that has assists or something, uh, you, I don't think that there's much of a need to take him. He's a huge fade for me at 150. Third base, weaker position. You can make that argument you need to fill in the spot. But I don't think you need to fill it in here um, with Cabrian Hayes. He's just not going to be doing it for me. I, I'm not such a big Cabrian Hayes fan. And these projections don't really give you much peace of mind. Uh, at bats, projections should be there. 464 at bats, 514 plate appearances. But the numbers are really lacking, like 42 RBIs. Like, I I'm curious what John Birdie had this year, but it was probably close. Like, you're, you're talking like John Birdie, Miles Straw territory, 42 RBIs. Like, that is brutal. Uh, Birdie had uh, Birdie had 28. I'm talking out of my ass a little bit. But we're talking, like, seriously terrible, terrible projections. Uh, Miles Straw had 32. So I'm a little bit off, but not not that far off here. Um for a third baseman, that is honestly pathetic. Like, I, I, I don't mean to rag on the guy. I know he's never going to hear this. I don't mean to rag on him, but that's like, I pick 150. I think you can do a lot better. The minimum pick of Cabrian Hayes is 106. That's, that's upsetting. That's, that's honestly an upsetting number to see. Uh, the Pirates projections, if you just look at them, like, I, I think, honestly, I might need to go have a cigarette and a drink after looking at these because... It's, it's going to be a tough year, and, you know, they didn't do themselves any favors signing Carlos Santana. I think he's an all right play. Uh, I mentioned him last week, I believe. I think he's a fine, like, OBP play, maybe a deep league, uh, you know, dart throw. What's his, uh, 595 is where he's being drafted. No problem there, really, at the price, uh, but just, just brutal. Like, the whole thing is just really tough to look at. Uh, I can't even imagine how many games this team is going to win next year. Pretty pretty ugly stuff. Let's talk about some of the pitchers, though, before I let you guys go. Uh, it's The whole situation is, is pretty ugly, though. There's no one here where you'd really get that excited. Uh, David Bednar, I guess Robert Stevenson out of the pen, might have some value. I wouldn't bank on it. I think Stevenson is... Uh, I, I wouldn't be. And He had a, not a great year this year. Uh, his ERA was up over 5. Uh, 5.43, yeah. Not great. Uh, his projections are actually pretty good considering how bad he was last year. Uh, 367 ERA, uh, more strikeouts than innings pitched, not terrible walk numbers. Kind of curious where these are coming from. The year before was good. The year before that was bad. He kind of alternates good and bad years. I guess they're expecting him to have a good year. Not a great pitcher, though. Uh, David Bednar would be the guy you're taking in that bullpen. He's going around pick 111. No problem with that. 
The thing with the Pirates is they might decide to trade some players this season. Maybe they do trade Brian Reynolds. Maybe they trade Bednar. That would obviously change things for right now, though. Bednar should be the closer. Uh, he's projected to start a game on here. I'm not sure how that works. I'd be very surprised if David Bednar started any games. But who knows? They know more than I do. Uh, in terms of the other pitchers here, Ronzi Contreras projected for a 405 ERA. Pretty mediocre strikeout numbers, 125 of them in 122 innings. Nothing really great. JT Brubaker projected for a, a 452 ERA. Uh, Johan Oviedo, 446. Bryce Wilson, 456. There's no starters here where you can look at and get any kind of, you know, affirmation of, okay, maybe I, maybe I will take this guy. Like, if there is anybody, it's Contreras. And let me just take a look at the price. 269. I suppose at that price, it's not going to hurt you so badly. Uh, yeah, I guess you'd be all right with it. He wasn't great last year. He showed some flashes briefly here and there, but as a whole, uh, it's a, it's a huge fade. It's a wall of fades that I'm looking at here on Fangraphs. There's not really anybody where you'd look at them and be like, yeah, there's a chance. Maybe this guy, maybe that guy. It's all nonsense, really. Um, these teams have been bad. These teams we looked at today, depressing show, and I'm sorry for that. These are just some, some bad teams. Uh, the White Sox, probably, not probably, definitely the best of the bunch. Uh, but even them, there's there's not a lot to really be that hopeful for when you look at these projections. They need to stay healthy for there to be any any kind of real-life and fantasy value in that roster. Cincinnati, I think their fantasy value as a team really comes from whether or not you see some of these studs like Marte, like Dela Cruz called up this year. Spencer Steer as well. Uh, I don't know that we are going to see them like from opening day, but I think at some point throughout the year we will we will likely see them, and they will probably turn into the best fantasy assets on Cincinnati. You know, Stevenson and India should should they be healthy, they will be as well. Uh, but Ellie De La Cruz in particular, go put him. Not you can't do it right now, obviously, but once the season starts, um, you draft your teams. He's not going to be drafted in your standard ten and twelve team leagues. Stick him in your minor league spot, in your NA slot, whatever you guys call it, and just wait. Uh, there might be a couple other guys as well who fit that criteria, but he's somebody I'd be really thinking about. And then Pittsburgh is just a trash heap. That's that's pretty much it for Pittsburgh. Uh, for Pittsburgh, I would expect them to make some trades and go through. I mean, they're already kind of rebuilding, so it's hard to even say what it would be—a retooling, a low-level retooling. I guess I don't know what to even say. The franchise is is a disaster, and there's not really that much hope. O'Neill Cruz is the player of the future for them, and even these projections for him, they don't blow me out of the water. So there's really there's really nobody I'm looking at here, and I'm saying I'm I'm affirmed. Um, my my beliefs have been affirmed by looking at these projections in any good way. Uh, there's a couple of guys where you look at it and be like, yeah, I thought so. I'm not gonna be interested. Not gonna be interested. There's no one where you looked at really. Andrew Vaughn was the main one today from all these teams where you're like, okay, he might hit 28 home runs, drive in 80 RBIs, like. From where he's being drafted, totally fine. But other than that, pretty much uh, a fairly disappointing day. And I don't mean to send you guys off into the weekend uh, on a low note. But uh, that's just the the hand we were dealt today for the show. So hope you guys still enjoyed uh, going through these projections. Are pretty fun. I like going through as many as possible as long as we're not talking about, you know, Jim and Bob in the basement putting together random projections. As long as they are reasonable as long as they are from a reputable source a lot of these come out from fan graphs i think they all come out from on fan graphs or they're all available on fan graphs so you know they are reputable Derek cardi ariel cohen uh, dan zimborski and i'm not even sure exactly who puts together steamer 
But we're talking about bright people here. We're looking at their work, trying to dive in a little bit, not deeper than they have, but just kind of talk you guys through their work a little bit. And I hope you guys have enjoyed. If you have, uh, please leave a five-star review on the pod. Really appreciate that, helping us grow out a little bit more here and there. I know it's the off-season. It's kind of downturn uh, for baseball podcast listening time right now. But you guys hit the five-star. You leave a couple of kind words, and more people will listen to the show. So that is something you guys can do, help out from home. Hit the uh, follow button over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. And that is where all of our content is posted from. I try and reshare everything I can on my own account, but Ethos Fantasy BB is the source. And I mean, if you want to go directly to the source, sportsethos.com is where all of our stuff is posted. Free stuff, premium. We have a ton of content. So guys, I will leave you there. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I hope you continue drafting because I think I'm going to hop into draft this weekend, uh, either this weekend or I'll do it with you guys on Monday or Tuesday, something like that. But I hope you guys are enjoying this time of year because it's very exciting trying to figure out where players should go, what production to expect. Anyway, maybe that's just me who loves baseball all year round. Maybe you guys like taking a break from it. But I'm rambling as I tend to do here. Guys, enjoy your weekend and have a good night. Cheers. Cheers.